give kids the tools to um, to learn how to think, not what to think. So it's you know it's not about what content we fill their heads with. It's giving them the tools to really uh, research, get answers to things, formulate their own opinions, know what is a good source and a not good source. I mean, it's a pretty big societal problem now. I think of how do you find good credible information and that is something we spend time doing with kids hello hello so today is part two slash our second episode with prisma a full virtual replacement to school but honestly nothing like school and in a very good way so in part one we dove into the specifics of prisma's curriculum with emily vino head of curriculum but today we're looking at the bigger picture with prisma's co-founder and ceo victoria ransom As you've heard in the intro snippet, Prisma is working very, very hard to teach kids 21st century skills, like how to research and think, rather than what to think. Which, to be put very lightly, our current school system is just not doing too good a job at it, and is something that I've mentioned a lot (laughs) in past episodes. Today, we're unpacking everything from leadership, collaboration, curiosity, and how Prisma nurtures that in each kid, to how they select coaches and teachers, their emphasis on one-to-one mentoring, their practical work. Oh my gosh, it just literally goes on. So without further ado, let's jump into it. So I have a scenario for you that involves new graduates and they're all 18. They're all from the same school. They're applying for the same job. And now I haven't specified what job, which makes this question a little bit harder. (laughs) However, Mm -hmm. the concept is uh, the same, which is who would you hire out of three, these three students or graduates? Okay. And they have, yeah. yeah. So they've come straight out of high school. Exactly. They've come out of some sort of schooling and it doesn't have to be traditional. It could be alternative. Okay. Okay. Very bare bones. I've only written some descriptions for each. So Casey, 18. Yeah. Critical thinker and adaptive thinker. So if there's a problem, she's Mm -hmm. able to think outside the box and approach that whatever issue it is. That's Casey. Brendan is brain smarts. He's mm-hmm. got the highest grade out of the year level. So he's done yeah. it. And he's an incredibly quick learner. Hmm. Also 18. So Monica, last one. Monica has strong communication skills. Very, very strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know I made it so hard. I'm sorry. Um, and is empathetic. And we'll leave okay. it at that. So I, I was um, in for you to talk us through what your thoughts around this hiring process would be, why you would hire someone, why not? Yeah. I mean, you've clearly you made this, you tried to make this really hard because what I'd really want to do is combine them all, Mm. you know, in particular the adaptability and critical thinking of Casey. For Brian, I'd be less interested when you say he was top of his school and he's smart, but the fact he's a quick learner and the fact he's probably a hard worker, you know, I would, I would, that would attract me. Um, to, to cut you uh, off a little bit there, why doesn't Brain Smart speak as highly for you as the other qualities? 
Uh, well, I think it depends. Well, uh, it depends what we're talking about, right? But if we're talking about sort of book smart, mm -hmm. like was able to do well on exams, um, you know, was, was sort of able to learn a bunch of content. I just think because, and this is a really hard task, and you said it yourself, because I don't know what job we're hiring for. Yeah. But in general, I just think um, people uh, who are keen to learn, who are curious, who um, who are, you know, have drive, motivation, they can learn on the job. So I'm a lot less interested in what actual knowledge or book smart someone comes in with. And I myself, I think I'm a pretty good example of that because I studied psychology and Spanish and then ended up doing investment banking mm -hmm. in my first job out of college. And I knew nothing about finance, but I, I managed to figure that out and there was some training on the job. So um, I'm more interested about what that says about Brian's perhaps his drive and his work ethic mm -hmm. than I am about the fact he's book smart or, um, you know, topped his class or, uh, and Monica being a, a strong communicator I, and empathetic. Um, I mean, empathetic, I would want to expand that to know that she's really good at working with others. She's a great collaborator. I, I would probably want to broaden that out to a stronger set of sort of interpersonal skills of which empathy is a really important piece. Oh, I mean, choosing one. It, it's a nearly impossible task because I don't know what we're hiring for. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so perhaps I would go with... Casey because I take it that she's a really good problem solver and therefore I take it that she could be and she's adaptive and particularly when you're hiring someone that early in their career you want to be able to train them evolve them throw anything at them have them be able to sort of um, step outside of the box think outside of the box um, so perhaps that's who I'd hire. <laughs> yeah. I really wanted to have those strong communication skills from Monica, though, because, mm -hmm. you know, as we talk about at Prisma a lot, it doesn't matter how great your ideas are. If you can't communicate them well, you just don't get heard. Nobody listens, which is a really difficult thing about the way the world works, but it is how the world works. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you kind of need the whole package. But yeah. Very interesting <laughs> challenge. <laughs> yeah, it, it so, so challenging. And because you don't know the person, you don't know. Right. It's all about, yeah, interacting with them, seeing how their minds operate, what sort of ideas that they have, because no matter what, they all have really interesting ideas. And right. I love how you flesh that out in Prisma, which we will go into in terms of, yes, critical thinking is a huge part of your curriculum. Mm -hmm. Before we jump into that, though, can you explain why Prisma even exists? Why you you and your partner had the idea of Prisma? Sure, yeah, it, and it's a it's a little bit of a long story, so <laughs> cut me off if if it's too long. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I if you'd asked me twenty years ago, would you be starting a new model of education? I would have said what? Mm -hmm. It's not like this is something <laughs> I always imagined I would do. Um, but basically. Uh, my husband and I have been entrepreneurs for basically our whole careers. I did that little stint in investment banking and that was the end of that. Mm -hmm. And then I've been an entrepreneur since. Um, we sold a company to Google very successfully and we told ourselves, whatever we do next, uh, we want it to be something that can have a large positive impact on the world. We didn't know that would be education. Uh, but around the same time, we were blessed to have three wonderful children, not all at the same time. Um, uh, <laughs> I did, right? Different yeah. times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we have three children. And as the 
the oldest approached uh, school, we really started to question pretty deeply how we wanted to educate her. Um, and that was for a couple of reasons. Uh, one actually is we'd created sort of this very flexible life. We, we decided whatever we do next, we want it to be a remote venture and you know we're both from different countries so we want to be able to spend time with our respective families in switzerland and new zealand so we realized as our oldest child was going to go to school we're like wow that is going to completely and utterly take away this flexibility we imagined we were building in our lives um but that wasn't the the number one thing we were in we were really looking at we're in an area in the bay area where the schools are really excellent really highly rated but uh seem to be creating not all kids obviously but a, an unusually high number of um anxious kids depressed kids kids that on paper look incredible but they're feeling pretty lost in their lives and get to college great colleges and say now what the heck do i do and so we just were worried about uh putting our children into sort of a pressure cooker environment that first of all, might take away their love of learning, because that is sort of the foundation of, of being a curious um, person who thrives in life. Um, but that also might take away their, their self-confidence and their sort of their, um, their yeah, their, their, their confidence in life. And, and so that led us on this deep sort of dive to look at, well, what are the other ways we could think about educating our kids? Um, we looked at different alternative schools in the area where we live, and then we started looking at different alternative schools around the world, and we looked at micro schools, and eventually we, we looked at homeschooling and actually surprised ourselves by really loving a lot of what we saw about homeschooling in terms of the ability to tailor the education to the speed, and the level and the interests of the child and to be really hands-on and quite efficient. Uh, so we, we sort of started to, to develop a plan for how we wanted to educate our own kids, um, which I'm happy to talk about, but um, because they're all still little. But uh, what fascinated us was um, as we sort of crystallized this, this vision for a model of education that would really honor the interests of the child, their speed of learning, the level that they're at, that would enable them to learn in a very sort of hands-on way, uh, that would be flexible, both in terms of sort of the child's schedule and the family schedule, and maybe even geographically flexible. Um, we got really excited by the idea of, well, let's not just solve this for our family. Can't we come up with a model of education that would make this kind of, of um, this kind of philosophy of education accessible to a wide number of families. And, and in particular, let's come up with something that if this works and we see wonderful growth from kids and families love it and kids love it, something that could reach large numbers of kids. Because I think what we found through our exploration is there, there, there are really some amazing schools out there, um, you know, little sort of private independent alternative schools mm -hmm. and there's even some small networks of schools but um but they're they're reaching very few kids um you know but they, they're not scalable and so at the end of the day they're wonderful but they're reaching very few kids and they usually have a pretty high price tag associated with mm -hmm. them so we sort of uh we got fascinated by this idea and spent a good couple of years really researching and thinking and ideating uh, and brainstorming and then uh, in March of 
2020, COVID struck. And Indeed. totally, <laughs> well, it didn't strike, strike, strike sooner mm. than that. But that was around the time when it really started to ramp up. And soon after that, it threw the entire education system yeah. into turmoil. Yeah. And at that point, we said to ourselves, there's never been a better time to test out a new approach to education. Like people yeah. will be unusually receptive to new models of education. And it just so happens that the model we've been sort of ideating about is flexible and virtual mm. and kids can be based at home. And so we went from sort of two years of investigating and dreaming about this to, well, it was five months of say between right. when we said we're going to do this and when we launched with the first group of families was about five months. So that was um, <laughs> a very interesting period, but we pulled it off and we can yeah. talk more about that, but we pulled it off. We're feeling really good about what we've created. Oh, Lordy. Yeah, that, that progress though. And it's true that this was the perfect time to do it, that people, uh, the, what are the other alternatives you have online schooling that can possibly make traditional schooling even worse and therefore disengage? Mm -hmm. right. Like you were saying at the start, that you don't want to make a kid dislike learning because that's the foundation of right. how they grow. It's, it's quite right. ironic that they would associate learning as a bad thing. Exactly. Um, and I really love how Prisma is actually changing that. And currently I see a few trends in what Prisma is teaching mm -hmm. and there are a few that I've noticed, one uh -huh. of them being leadership. Uh -huh. And yeah. leadership uh, is yeah is something that I noticed you mentioning a lot in the website as well as uh -huh. other Prisma um, resources. I'm curious to know what actual leadership is because, and I ask that mm -hmm. because in traditional schooling, it's captains, it's people with badges, it's mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. there's a very specific idea of leadership. Um, but I'm curious as to see what leadership means to you. And sort of how, how we are enabling kids at Prisma to, to be leaders. I mean, I think the big question there of sort of what does leadership mean to me, it is being able to align people around a common goal and bring the best people together to achieve that common goal and motivate people to do their best. So at a high level, that's, you know, if you put me on the spot, that's how I would yeah. define leadership. <laughs> yeah. uh, leadership at Prisma certainly isn't associated with sort of hierarchy or titles or mm -hmm. it, it's, it's frankly happening every single day among Prisma kids in smaller and bigger ways as they collaborate mm -hmm. to achieve things together, basically. Yeah. So leadership is happening in the daily stand-ups that the kids do when they meet the same small group of kids and their coach meet daily to kind of, um, you know, uh, build community and learn from each other and talk about what's happening in the world and different things yeah. that they do. Uh, you know, I, I was just in a stand-up the other day and there was a, a kid that had really been struggling with something and uh you know another kid kind of brought it up like what why what what happened why did you kind of melt down mm -hmm. uh and i think everybody sucked in their breath like oh this is <laughs> and right immediately another student went in and said you know i i understood why that happened i feel like that sometimes too like empathize that's leadership we didn't assign that kid to be a leader but there was a sort of a 
tricky moment where another kid was put on the spot, not maliciously at all, and another kid s- stepped up and empathized and made you know everybody feel good. That's leadership. Uh, leadership is happening frequently in our um, live workshops where kids are uh, quite often they're in breakout rooms, working in small groups to solve um, you know problems together. Happy to give specific examples of the kind of things they're doing, but please do actually, yeah. Yeah, I mean, right now we're doing our um, uh, what is it, Uncharted Territories theme. So Prisma Works and Themes, and you may have talked to Emily about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kids are learning a bunch of different content and, and knowledge and skills through the idea of space exploration and deep sea exploration. Yes. And one of our workshops, which we always have an ethical decision-making workshop, um, is this idea of the kids have been told that you, they come in on the first say they're like you have been selected for a uh, groundbreaking space expedition you're going to be the first group on earth ever to go to mars um you know here's your responsibilities and over the course of the of the weeks they are being given sort of challenges or conundrums or a little ethical challenges that, that they need to solve and it starts with they're told there's one spot left on the shuttle um and you can choose from there's this wealthy businessman that can join the trip and he can actually fund the trip with a lot of um of capital or you know there's been an idea that let's just put it out by lottery so it's truly um you know open to everybody different sort of scenarios and the kids are having to make these decisions in small groups and come up with their plan and justify their plan and when they do that some people need to be note takers and some people need to go off and do some research to figure out how they're going to justify and other people need to present and nobody tells them what their roles are. Nobody tells them how they're going to come to a consensus. And so that is leadership right there. The kids have to be um, exhibiting leadership in order to even get anything done. Uh, So I think, you know, a lot of what we're doing, our live workshops and our asynchronous work as kids, working together which requires both leadership and great teamwork and great participation as well right um and then uh you know we have student-run clubs and they really are student-run in fact uh, our new clubs just kicked off for the year and one of the mums uh, actually just wrote to us today and she's like she was listening in the background she was like it was amazing to see two i think it was a fourth grader and a fifth grader that had um you come up with a concept for a new club they'd recruited others to their club because we have a little club fair (laughs) and they were leading the first meeting and there they were being leaders leading and nobody ordained them to do that but that's leadership and she was commenting on how unusual it was for her to see kids of that age stepping up in that capacity as leaders so i guess what to summarize that long answer we do leading by doing and everybody gets a chance to be a leader really Mm-hmm. And I, I love the idea that it's not just leadership. Leadership doesn't exist in isolation. As you were saying, it's collaboration, it's teamwork, it's being within the community and being able to lead that way, which makes it all the more effective. Right. And there's right. a lot of, of course, there's a lot of opportunities now for Prisma kids to actually, you know, be a leader because you give them the freedom to do that, which is right. always exciting. Right. And I was really captured by the uncharted territory and the the underlying thought that comes mm-hmm. from a discovery and 
those sorts of fun scenarios. So who actually creates those scenarios in the first place and has those ideas that will stimulate the kids' curiosity? Yeah, and that's sort of an important part of our model is we have a a dedicated curriculum team that, um, you know, ideates with our coaches because the coaches are the ones that know the kids best and frankly ideates with the whole team because one of the things that we think is our strength is we have such a diversity of members of our team on our team we have product developers and we have designers and engineers and teachers and um, but we have a curriculum team that's ultimately responsible for coming up with the theme and coming up with the curriculum and the content and then they iterate with others and we get lots of feedback from the kids. So something we're we're doing a lot is asking the kids to weigh in on the theme we've just had and the workshops we've just had. And so we iterate. Um, and it's actually, you know, one thing that struck me as I learned more about education and spoke to more and more teachers, I have by now interviewed so many teachers mm-hmm. for coach roles at Prisma is how much teachers are expected to create their own curriculum. I sort of imagine there was a curriculum Mm -hmm. and teachers teach it. Uh, But so, so many teachers are both trying to manage a class of 30 kids and all that goes along with that and all of the sort of other responsibilities of being a teacher, like the paperwork and things, and develop a curriculum, uh, which is just (laughs) sort of amazing to me. And so, um, you know, I know many of our coaches have said what a gift it is that we have sort of a a dedicated curriculum team that they can collaborate with, that they can weigh in on, that they can adapt, they can adjust materials, absolutely. But um, that is basically who is coming up with those or responsible for for producing those really fun ideas and materials. Yeah. And I guess uh, in terms of the theory behind it, because in the past interview with Emily, she explained Mm. constructivism and and more practical hands-on learning. Was that something very intentional from the start? Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. Uh, I mean, we had a number of things from this sort of uh, exploration that my husband Alan and I did initially when we're thinking about our own kids' education. We sort of we identified a number of things that were just really, we thought were really important in creating the kind of education. And we haven't talked about this yet, but ultimately we're trying to create a model of education that will prepare kids to thrive in the kind of world that they're going to live in, which we think is every generation lives in an extremely different world than the previous generation. But I think it's possible that this generation is going to experience a level of change that's just unprecedented. Um, even if you just look at the, lo- the job landscape alone and AI and how that's going to impact. Uh, I mean, I think studies I've read is 65% of kids in elementary school today will work in jobs that are not even yet invented. Yeah. So, you know, our, you know, our North Star here is that we want to create a model of education that's really going to prepare kids to thrive in that kind of world. Uh, but we develop sort of some, we call them our uh, curriculum values that we hold dear when we are designing our curriculum and designing our program. And one of those is that we believe that sort of the best learning comes from by doing, that that's how you really experience and understand. You enjoy it, I think, more as well, but you really experience and understand and internalize things when you're learning by doing. So, so much of what the kids are doing is learning by doing. Other things um, in our sort of curriculum values, we, we have this concept of hard fun, First and foremost, we talked about it before, we want Prisma to be fun. The kids are excited to learn. They want to show up every day, but not easy fun. 
hard fun because we think uh, that kids are most excited when what they're doing is is fun but also really challenging and they're they're really pushing themselves everybody gets excited when they when they you know meet a challenge i think um so this idea of learning through making and doing is really important to us uh we feel really strongly about um that sort of the deepest learning comes from intrinsic learning so yeah some kids can get motivated by grades but if you look at the and there's a lot of research behind this if you really want kids to achieve their best you've really got to get them to be motivated intrinsically they want to do it not because i'm told i have to do it or because i'm afraid i'll get a, a d or um, extrinsic motivation uh, we feel really strongly that learning should not be one size fits all uh, and by that we we mean it should enable kids to really um, learn through what interests them there's so many ways to learn a concept um that you know you know learning to write for example you don't have to tell a kid i want you to write about xyz you can give them freedom about what they write about they will still be learning you can give some guidelines and constraints so this idea of allowing kids to learn based on their interests and to learn based on their level and their pace is something we feel really deeply about and uh, i think it's one of the uh, more problematic things about the traditional education system is this idea that it's a little bit like a conveyor belt, right? Like mm. you're age 10, this is what you need. Therefore, you're in this grade. This is what you need to learn. If you're not really grasping it, sorry, we've sort of got to keep moving on because we've got to get through all of this content. And if you're miles ahead, sorry, you've just got to be a little bit bored. And I totally respect and understand why it happens like that. Mm -hmm. But I think it just means that you end up with a model where it's suiting so few kids and a whole bunch of kids are either left behind feeling stupid or or feeling bored uh so we really work hard to enable kids to move at the pace that they want to move at and if you are a kid that's operating at a eighth grade level in math and a fourth grade level in writing great we'll meet you where you're at we're not going to just like you know make you do <laughs> sixth grade level content on everything yeah. mm -hmm. um let's see uh we feel believe really strongly in this idea of that learning should be tied to the real world yeah. so so much of what we do and that's where our themes come in i think is basically framing the learning in the context of where you would apply this in the real world and and we always try to sort of start with why should you care about this how would you ever apply this because i think again it's so often a problem for kids they're sitting in class saying why do i need to do this like when will i ever use this particularly i think with with something like math and yet we use math in all aspects of our day just to function but so rarely do we tie it back to, to that for kids so um yeah those are i think i covered oh the final one is that we feel really strongly about uh we want to give kids the tools to um to learn how to think not what to think mm -hmm. so it's you know it's not about what content we fill their heads with it's giving them the tools to really uh research get answers to things formulate their own opinions know what is a good source and a not good source i mean it's a pretty big societal problem now i think of how do you find good credible information and that is something we spend time doing with kids um so yeah but those are sort of the th we developed quite early on and then refined as we bought as we built our team and as we brought on more experienced educators yeah. 
but those are sort of the, the things we hold dear as we are developing our program in our curriculum. Wow. And, and so was this what you identified in your daughter's schooling? These were the things that really stood out to you about what you wanted to fix? Uh, yes, most of them. I can't claim my husband and I thought of all of these. We might have added mm. a couple. But, yeah, I mean, it was these things. And we saw it in some of these alternative schools, but we maybe saw it best in some of the homeschooling families that we spoke to mm. where um, you truly can, if you are a homeschooling family, you truly can center the education around what's interesting to the child. If they're getting really excited about something, you can just let them do that all day long and throw the rest of the plan out the window and get back to it tomorrow. You can um, really be very hands. I think a lot of homeschool families are really good about making learning hands-on and sort of yeah. learning in the community and learning by doing um, and the other thing that did strike us about homeschooling in particular was just how efficient it is. Like, I think it was a real eye-opening to, opener to us as we started doing more research, how much time is spent in schools. And again, I think no fault of anybody, it's just the way the system is, that's kind of wasted. That's mm -hmm. transitions or that's interruptions or that's, um, you know, I, one study I read said that of the six hours that kids spend at school, probably about two hours are actually spent learning. Mm -hmm. And most homeschool families that you talk to would say they can get through sort of the core curriculum or what a kid is meant to know in about two hours a day, which leaves the rest of the day for all of these deep explorations. So I think there was something about that too that really attracted us of like, let's also just be really respectful of kids' time. Like childhood is short. And they spend the biggest part of their childhood in school, actually. So let's make sure that that is a joyous, stimulating, productive time and that we really respect kids' time. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And, yes. and that's that idea of, you know, only needing two hours to complete the work instead of a whole day, that really reflects nine to five jobs, at least mm -hmm. some of them that I've, you know, I've talked to friends who are in nine to five jobs who now in COVID are saying, you know what, I actually like virtual because uh, I'm completing my work in two hours and I can go for a walk, I can eat yes. lunch and just chill out because I've done all my work. Yeah. But there's an expectation for you to be there the whole day despite the fact that you might not even be engaged, you might not even be excelling in that environment solely for the purpose because this is how it's always been done. Yeah, this is it's a really good analogy, yeah. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. And I've said that myself with, you know, we always intended to be a fully virtual company or fully um, distributed company. And then that became the thing that everybody did. Mm. Um, and there's downsides. There's different downsides. Yeah. But the upsides for me are far greater. And one of them is definitely that you can just be so much more efficient. And, uh, you know, you can sort of just block off periods of time where you can really do deep work and get things done um, I also personally like and Prisma kids get this opportunity too the ability to not be sort of like um, to be more flexible with my schedule so you know I might be coming in on a Monday doing three hours of deep work and then I might pick my kids up from preschool and hang out with them yeah. for an hour or so or 90 minutes and then I'll come back and then I'll do some work in the evening and being able to sort of blend it better with your life is a really nice thing and actually that's something that prisma kids can do too they can get some work done and then they can go out and play basketball for a while and let off some steam and revitalize them to themselves before they go back in for their virtual workshop and then they can have lunch with their family and 
Um, yeah, I think people actually probably all operate a little better in that way rather than you have to sit down, do this, and um, yeah. This really that goes analogy. back to personality personalization though that goes back to you know yes how your lifestyle is and therefore adapting it to your lifestyle instead of adapting your lifestyle to a curriculum right it's quite true yeah um but what we were discussing before was the teachers and yeah i i actually want to dive deeper into that in terms of teachers and coaches mm -hmm. so something i saw that was written was we handpick our coaches for their unique ability to bring out the very best in kids mm -hmm. and i latched onto that because i understand the need for great coaches and the need yeah. for how they can transform your learning so how do your coaches actually do that to bring out mm -hmm. the best in your mm -hmm. kid yeah um great question they do that. I mean, first of all, they have to have it in them. So we're hiring people who are deeply passionate about education, who love working with kids and who have a lot of experience working with kids. And so they have, you know, they have the ability to be able to, for example, if a kid has a special learning need, that is not that they have familiarity, they have experience. So we are hiring experienced teachers, but their role is nothing like or not much like a regular teacher, mm -hmm. I think. Um, how we do that is i think through our mentorship um sort of relationship that coaches create with kids so every prisma learner is um given a, a mentor coach and we select them really carefully uh who is and and our um coaches have no more than 15 kids that they're mentoring mm -hmm. and they meet with those kids at least once a week one-on-one -on -one, but often much more because they're there for the kids um you know whenever the kids need to reach out they, we have a slack we use slack and the learners can communicate with each other but also with the coaches uh and they can uh, reach out to their coach whenever they want to jump on zoom or just have a question asked um and then the coaches are also seeing them in the context of the live uh workshops as well mm -hmm. and the mentor coaches are also the ones who are providing regular iterative feedback on the kids work mm. so um you know something that our that our coaches have said that that never have they been able to form relationships and get to know kids as in-depth as they are doing at prisma because you imagine in a regular classroom you know when do teachers even get to interact with kids one-on-one -on -one? it mm. might happen occasionally at the end of the class when the bell rings and some kids come up to the desk and maybe in the hallway you, you say hi and maybe there's a few kids that that are lucky enough to sort of get um a lot of attention from the teacher usually because there's a problem let's face it yeah. <laughs> right um but in this case all kids get to really form that relationship and be seen by their coach and because the coach is talking with them a lot because they're looking at their work and giving them feedback a lot so we have this really idea of it's not that a kid finishes a project or finishes assignment and then the coach looks at it and gives feedback no, as the kid is working through a project or working through a piece of writing, the coach is looking at that, giving feedback, making suggestions, the kids go back and revise and iterate so that theoretically by the time they've finished a piece of work, it's really their best work. It's not, it's not an A, it's, it's their best work. Because um, an A is sort of like an artificial construct. Oh, it's like, you know, do this and go no further. Um, and so in the course of doing that, I think the, kid, the coaches develop a really good understanding for what a kid is capable of. Mm -hmm. 
and mm-hmm. sort of, you know, so two kids may be doing the same piece of work and the coach may say to one, amazing, you've knocked it out of the park, even though it's not nearly as good as what another kid has done. Mm-hmm. And to that kid, the coach may say, you're on the right track, but I know you can do better because they really get to know what each kid is capable of. They also just get to know what kids are excited about. Um, you know, all of our coaches will spend time with the kids setting like academic goals or uh, goals in terms of their Prisma work, but also goals outside of Prisma. What other goals do they have in their lives that they're going to work on? Uh, and they just build friendships too. I would say all the coaches would say, and all the kids would say their their coach is their friend. I mean, an, an adult friend, and there's obviously a level of respect, and yeah. uh, but there's trust and um, and mutual sort of enjoyment of each other's company. I think that develops. Um, so you know, coming back to your question, I think it comes from the coaches having enough time to spend with the kids and really get to know them and really get to know what they're capable of and really get to know what they're excited about. And and as Prisma's expanding, as Prisma's going to get more teachers, more coaches on board, I can and can't imagine because I'm not in your situation, but the amount of people who want to sign up and be a part of it. However, there are specific qualities, I assume, that you look for in coaches. And I'm I'm curious just to know what they are. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean... Uh, we are getting a lot of interest in our role. I think when we first launched Prisma, actually, uh, we put up, I think we were hiring two or three coaches and we got 1,400 applications. So so one thing we've learned is there's a lot of teachers out there that are just craving a new approach to education. Um, I mean, we do uh, a number of things to sort of screen coaches to to try to make sure that they're really a good fit. I mean, we are looking looking for a coach is that I said a couple of the qualities before deeply passionate about education it's sort of it's their life's mission love working with kids are really engaging facilitators um, because they are facilitating live workshops are very curious um, I, I you know I don't like to use the word smart but they're smart they're intelligent mm-hmm. um, uh, coaches because we need them to be able to give feedback on a wide range of subjects and um to be able to uh, be just really curious about all different kinds of of topics that the kids are delving into um we hire coaches that are really great at giving feedback so that um you know that's a really important part of their role um and you know that are just have great working on a team and are very mission driven and and those sort of things Um, to identify this we put the coaches through quite a process and I'm quite sure that it's going to, you know, evolve over time as well. Uh, but they start with, um, they have to, they apply and we actually ask them to submit a video. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a five minute video and that's an amazing screening tool actually. Um, and, you know, just asking some some questions about themselves and their vision of education. Uh, from there we do interviews. From there we have them do um a little mini assignment, which involves a few different things, including giving feedback on a real Prisma learners learning journal to see how the feedback is. We ask them to respond to a few different scenarios of what would you do in this situation? What would you do in that situation? Uh, We ask them to actually facilitate uh, a real workshop. So either if it's during the term time when the kids are there, they'll come in and facilitate a real Prisma workshop with 
with our learners. Um, If not, sometimes we've been hiring over the summer, so we've asked them to um, sort of put together their own simulation of a Prisma workshop. Um, And then, of course, references. So, you know, it's Mm. quite a process that the coaches go through. It is something, though, I think, as we think about growing, that we're going to have to get really, really, really good at is how do we screen, how do we hire well and train well and support our coaches well? Because there are some educational models out there that I would say de-emphasize teachers or coaches and sort of are predicated on the idea that you don't need sort of a really um, amazing teacher. You can just have a supervisor in the room or even a Mm. a babysitter. Um, And those models are certainly really scalable, uh, but our experience has been, no, that coach is really, really important. And so we need to, that's part of our growth will require us to really figure out how we're going to um, bring on, how we're going to be really good at always bringing on great coaches. Yeah. And, and it really sounds like to me that great coaches are very observant about yes. like what you were saying. So they're, they're building a relationship, but it also requires that they're very in touch with, yeah, the, the students' um, interests, what they they might not explicitly say, uh, I like this or I don't like this, but it's up to the coach to really yes. ask good questions to then yeah. map that out. And yeah. as they're tracking, you know, the students' progress, as Prisma kids get more, you know, different curriculums and all of that, like there must be a lot of assessments assessments in the Mm. way that you do holistic assessments and Mm -hmm. they're focused on academic progress but what I saw was really interesting it's focused on capabilities and not the retention of facts right what do you mean by these sorts of assessments that are going on within Prisma yeah that's a great question because I you know I just said we're not using grades Mm. so that's not the way that we um so the assessment is it's happening in a few different ways. It is mostly happening through this very um, in-depth iterative feedback process. Um, so I'll talk more about that. But we are also, um, we actually have all Prisma learners take a nationally recognised assessment in math and in reading. Uh, we have our own writing assessment, which they do when they first join because it gives us a really good sense of like, okay, this kid is operating... You know, we've got to put them in a really advanced sort of math group, but we need to put them in perhaps a, a less advanced writing group or reading group. Um, so we use it for that reason, but it's also a way for just us to hold ourselves accountable for like, okay, are our kids, um, our goal is that they exceed sort of the, the typical rate of growth in these core subject areas. And in fact, they have done um, in the okay. assessment that we did with our kids at the end of last year, they were, they grew hundred and 53% of expected growth in math and 174% of expected growth in reading, which was awesome. Oh, wow. Do, do yeah. you, like, what do you attribute to that? Obviously, there's so much, yeah. but was there something in particular that, like, spoke out to you? Like, oh, it could be that. Good question. Um, I think at least part of it comes down to this foundational, like, the kids were excited about learning and therefore they were putting in their best effort and therefore they were seeing great growth. I think part of it was that, I think um, as it relates to reading, I think there is just a lot of reading happening in Prisma in really interesting ways, whether it's our book clubs, which I think we, so far, we've just been wonderfully successful in picking books that kids just love. And so we've had these kids whose parents have said, 
I never thought I'd see my kid pick up a book for pleasure. Just like sitting there on a Sunday, curled up, you know, <laughs> on the couch, reading their Prisma um, book club book. And, and then they get to with these themes, just read all tons of really cool articles and that are just interesting. So I, I think, you know, with the reading in particular, I think we're making it just really much more fun and interesting and they're doing a lot of it, but it may not feel to them like they're doing a lot of it. Um, with Mac, Sorry to cut you off, but what, no, no, ahead, what sort of book, like what example of a book have you done for Reading oh, Club? That's a really good question. Um, they always relate roughly to the theme. Oh, the one that comes to mind, but... Um, because, you know, it's popping in my head, is when we did our Hidden Histories theme, the kids actually, one of the options was to read the Hamilton play oh. and also watch the show <laughs> and then sort of tease out the meaning behind it. And, yeah. um, but I know the kids have done a couple of um, series, kind of fantasy series, that have had some really important themes in them that, that, that they've teased out. But what's been really neat about that is they've read the first book in the series for our book club and then they've been dying to read the rest of the series and they've gone off and, okay. and read the rest of the series. Um, I'm blanking out on some of the other ones, but I could certainly give you a list that you could post in the notes below. Yeah, if you want. that'd be great. So, yeah. Yeah, sure. I'll make a note of that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's, it's a few things. It's making kids excited about learning. So they want to do their best. Mm -hmm. It is meeting them where they're at. So, you know, some of the kids, let's think about math, for example, um, that are perhaps a bit behind in math. If they were in the typical school system, they would have just been pushed up to the next grade level. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you never really grasp the concepts of third grade, how the heck are you supposed to grasp the concepts of fourth grade? So you just fall further and further behind. Our philosophy is to look like where was the last point where this child had really mastered the content and really understood it? Let's put them there and maybe below grade level that's fine um, but they're going to feel successful right off the bat and then for math we we do use some um, adaptive apps and so mm -hmm. then they can really move forward um, you know if it turned out that actually that was fairly easy for them they can quickly move through that um, so I think for math both our ability for kids to be just more efficient in how they're learning math our ability to meet them where they're at and the ability to adapt the um, what they're learning to their level as they progress I think uh, helped with math so yeah we were really pleased but that is one piece of the assessment um, the other piece is really just the work that the kids are doing and Emily probably talked about this but everything we design may look really fun on the surface and it is like you know uncharted territories and hidden histories and cities of the future these are the kind of themes that we do but they're all very much um, tied to we have really clear sort of learning goals mm. for the kids that they're going to get the out outcomes. of the cycle the right? outcomes yeah. yeah and some of those are more sort of um academic like we really want kids to learn about ecosystems or um whatever it may be or about budgeting we, you know they're going to develop these math skills through budgeting next theme is going to be build a business and there's going to be some great math oh, learning there okay. uh, but we also have our um, that are really important to us, our Prisma outcomes um, that are sort of holistic and more based on mindsets and skills. And this is, again, what we think is really important to thrive uh, in, in these kids' futures. Um, things like um, thinking like a designer is something that we're constantly trying to sort of instill in the kids or problem solving 
or communication and collaboration or perseverance. And so with our themes, we will also lay out very clearly, like this is a theme that's going to be heavy on communication skills and then within the materials let's say the project that the kids are working on and all of our projects are sort of um, divided into different phases where the coach would do a little mini basically assessment uh, throughout the the project and there'll be some clear outcomes that we've been looking for for the care we really wanted this child to be um, demonstrating sort of problem solving skills and deep research and every product project will have different outcomes we're looking for and so the coaches will be looking did did this child meet these kind of outcomes we were looking for and then we'll also give um, like a narrative assessment as well or written assessment right I really think they knocked it out of the park um, so yeah it, we are very much uh, sort of looking for specific outcomes and tracking a kid's meeting those outcomes but it is through the work of uh the coaches are doing in terms of the output that the kids are doing in their projects and in their writing missions it's not through tests that mm -hmm. we do to test knowledge um aside from the the map assessment that we do i see yeah yeah because obviously they're always growing the prisoner kids are always learning always um you know improving whether it's through their knowledge or whether it's through their mindset and skills, they're always growing. And so yes. I feel like, yes, tests in that way do a huge injustice because they're not actually capturing, well, what's your growth? It captures right. you in that standpoint. Mm -hmm. It's almost like a, just a pin drop. And it says, yeah, yeah, but it doesn't tell you anything about, well, from here to here, you have improved this much. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that and, is a shame. <laughs> and it's also, um, you know it's a it's a moment in time and some kids are when they take the test they're not they hadn't slept the night before and oh. other kids are just super nervous about taking tests and they're not good at that and then the other challenge with tests i think is it very particularly because in so many sort of school districts teachers and schools are being held accountable for test scores then the teachers have to test the content that will be mm. uh, teach the content that will be on the test and so teachers may want to sort of go off on a tangent because the kids are showing a ton of interest in this particular area or a teacher may want to slow down because this set of kids really needs a little more time but they've got to get through this content uh. because they've got to prepare the kids for the test and so i think it you know it also does a disservice in that respect honestly i've seen so many teachers who you know i i saw in one class uh, a kid had a great question uh, really questioning a maths equation and and mm. the formula behind that equation and asked well how can we trust it you know how mm. how and you know like your your face just lit up victoria because that shows a lot of curiosity it shows right. a lot of you know thinking outside the box because not right. everyone will question something that's been so ingrained and said this works therefore accept this kid exactly. wouldn't accept yeah however the teacher had no you know in that moment she had barely any time to yeah. really cover it so she said i'm sorry you're just gonna have to cover it in your own time and she told mm. me after like i felt so bad but we have yeah we have yeah. a strict curriculum to meet if we don't even get them to this assessment then it'll right. reflect badly on the kid and therefore you know right it's right. yeah it, it's a feed forward unfortunately it's once one kid falls behind then they will just keep falling behind and keep falling behind and then they'll yeah. believe in the end oh i'm not a math student oh i'm not right a that's what happens yeah. you very quickly and that's actually part of why we decided to focus on fourth through eighth grade 
initially um, was because as we spoke to teachers, so many teachers told us that that fourth grade point is a real turning point, at least in the mm. UN, so it may be different in Australia, um, but it's a real turning point for where kids both lose that love of learning. Like if most kids start school, kindergarten or, um, you know, you know, enter school excited about school, I think, and mm. um, thinking it'll be really an adventure. I think most kids start with that mindset. They also, I think, mostly start with the mindset of like, I can do this. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, around fourth grade, we heard from a lot of teachers, kids start to both lo lose the excitement about school, the joy of learning, and start to lose that confidence in themselves. That's when you start to hear, uh, I'm not good at xyz um and probably no coincidence that is at least in the us with testing standardized testing ramps up so yeah. it's probably not the only reason but i think that's one of the reasons mm, it is a trend but anyway this i know i've held you up for close to an hour now victoria so i'm really really grateful that you're with no us problem and let's sum it up because you mm -hmm. know christmas doing incredible things and looking into the future what you said at the very start is the future's demanding a lot of different things from kids whether they're in prisma whether they're in traditional schooling and i would love to know what skill or mindset would mm -hmm. you actually be horrified i use the word horrified very viscerally yeah yeah it's a very visceral word um i like my synonyms so i've chosen mm -hmm. horrified mm -hmm. what would you be horrified if in 2030 yeah we're still not teaching students whether they're in traditional whether they're at prisma what we're still not teaching them across all schooling systems mm, interesting skill or mindset i mean it's hard to narrow them down um i mean i think oh look i i think and, and this sort of comes back to our philosophy like that inherent curiosity that curiosity about things because if you're curious then you will seek to learn things if you're curious you will be open to reinventing yourself if that's what your career demands if you're curious you will question information and be i think more open to um finding good information if you're curious you'll want to learn about other people and i think be open-minded to other people so uh, i can't help feeling that curious can kind of be that that overarching um gateway into all of these other skills that are just so important like critical thinking and um you know uh, adaptability and being interested in others and open-minded to others and that sort of thing so for sure yeah curiosity honestly i i i 100 agree it's the basis behind everything kind of the basis behind so, everything yeah. Yeah. yeah thank you so much victoria for jumping on it really means a lot and no problem i am 100 sure the audience is absolutely now they're just furiously just googling prisma prisma <laughs> yeah well yeah. Uh, i'll give them a hint it's join prisma join prisma it's hard it's not prisma.com so sometimes we're hard to find oh, yeah. yeah of course join thank prisma. you prisma.com yeah. yeah um no thank you thanks so much i i really appreciate uh the time
So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope it inspired you in some way. Uh, If you really liked it, then check out part one with Emily Vino, where she really, really digs into the specifics behind themes, behind the structure of the day even, and just plenty more stuff for you to really get your Prisma fix. So enjoy your week and I will see you next time. (music) Thank you.